Let's go, girls. From New York City to Los Angeles, Powered Up with Beck and Franklin is giving women of all ages permission to live the life they've always dreamed of. Why live in black and white when you can choose the brilliance of 3D and Technicolor? Each week, Sandra Beck and Linda Franklin and their high-powered guests will be here to cheer you on, to share their challenges, their successes, and what they've learned along the way. It's all about women supporting women. The stories and practical tips on sex, beauty, money, and so much more are designed to help you reconnect to the powerful woman you are. Fabulous knows no limits. Now it's time for you to expand your boundaries. Here are Sandra Beck and Linda Franklin. Hey ladies, this is Sandra Beck and I'm here with Linda Franklin and this is Powered Up Talk Radio and from coast to coast from New York to Los Angeles, we've got you covered. And today is another part of our Soul Search Tuesdays and Linda, I got to tell you, I've been doing Dr. uh, Joseph Gallagher's uh, CDs. I'm still having astounding results. I I can't even tell you how excited I am that, you know, two little meditation seeds would make such a big difference. Well, I have been trying and using them since, I guess, Saturday. I didn't Uh do it today because I've been running around like crazy, but hopefully this evening I will. Um, And it it certainly does relax me, but that's it. I mean, I I don't know what I'm looking for, but... um, not not that anything bad has happened all you know all all nice things but you know nothing that my jaw dropped open and i said oh my god what you know how did this happen <laughs> well i think you know i'm probably like you're probably already balanced in your right and your left brain and i needed that rebalancing and um i had very very specific imagery goals uh that you know as part of the the preparation work that i did um i was very specific about the amount of money i wanted to earn in 10 days which was ten thousand dollars in 10 days and um at the rate i'm going i will hit that tomorrow so um that to me was was a big deal. And the other thing I did, Linda, was I made this little manifestation bowl because I'm not really good at visual imagery. So I took an old fish bowl and I glued some some stickers on it. And then I wrote all over it like wonderful words like thankfulness, gratitude, money, health. And then I threw some stuff in the bowl. I threw a watch. I threw uh, two little pictures of my kids. I threw some uh, fake gold coins that I think were left over last year from the holidays and uh, a couple other things. I threw some blue rocks in for health. And I really, really made a concerted effort to like meditate on this bowl and, and, and do these, you know, audio recordings. And, you know, I'm seeing results, but then again, I'm the person that in the audience that they'll hypnotize and I'll jump around and cluck like a chicken. (laughs) <laughs> yes, you're very open to that. And it's not that I'm not. Um, I, d- I wasn't as specific as you were. I was trying not to think because that's one of my biggest uh, problems is too much thinking. So I tried when he, when he kind of talks you through the, the, um, the, uh, you know, the audio tape, I, I'm just relaxing and listening without trying to think because 
I, I just want to relax. Is I, does that make any sense to you? Yeah, yeah. Because you and I, you were at different places in our life. We have different goals and different, uh, you know, different visions. And I was like all type A. You know, I'm going to make a list of what I want because my biggest fear, and you'll get a kick out of this, is I kept looking and going like abundancy, abundancy. I'm like, oh my god, I'm already eating too much. I'm overabundant in my nutrition. I need to like control where the abundance is going to come in from. And you know, I had a lot of fun with it, but. I, I wrote down, you know, the things that I really, really wanted to focus on. And when he does the color waterfall, I was very specific that my orange was for happiness, my red was for love, and my blue was for spirituality and healing, and the purple was for power, and the green was for money. And I, I was really, really specific. And I'm never specific. Usually I'm all like, you know, start the meditation CD and fall asleep. Well, the more specific you are, um, the, the better it is because, you know, you, 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 and you want to be very careful about, you know, what you say, uh, because, and, and again, more, the more specific you are, the better, because it can be interpreted in a, in a lot of different ways by the universe. Absolutely. And I assume that's where it's, it's coming from. So, um, but I, I mean, I, I guess I had some thoughts. Uh, but I, I just kind of uh, let them filter through without being too focused on the thoughts because I, that's not where I wanted to be. But it was very relaxing, and I will continue to do it uh, because it, it certainly, if nothing else, does make your body very, very calm, and um, it distresses you, which I think is a very good thing. Well, it is. It does. And, you know, maybe that's one of the secrets that I'm experiencing. Like, you know, I used to do my meditation CDs, you know, pretty much solely at the end of the day when all my work was done and the kids were in bed and, you know, which is probably why I fell asleep. And one of the things that he did say was, you know, to try to do these in the morning. And it's interesting because when I get up in the morning, I get up, you know, about five thirty, six o'clock, about an hour before my kids get up. And, you know, there's I'm shot out of a cannon once they wake up. And Linda, I was really working hard not to go to the, oh, my God, we've got court in another three weeks. Oh, my God, we've got these things. And I could feel that heaviness come in. And then I'm like, whoop, going to whip on my, you know, my CD player, put my headphones on, completely changed my state of being. So I think that's But isn't that part- crazy, Sam, how, that, how you, well, you get those thoughts when you first wake up in the morning? More yeah. so than any other part of the day, not before I go to sleep because I'm tired and I go to sleep, and not during the day when I'm, you know, out doing things and active. It's that first thing in the morning. It's oh my god, I got to do this, 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 and this. And so yeah, that's a perfect time to do it. To 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 find a new routine that that that's constructive um, and not destructive. Right, and it helps me make an effortless change in my state. You know, I, I remember that thing that was in the secret that, you know, the video where the guy stubs his toe and then his whole day goes wrong. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, that's me. And so I recognized that scene from the secret. And I thought, you know what, I'm going to really try this thing where it's going to set off my day. Right. And I don't have the discipline or the, whatever it takes to come up with my own meditation early in the morning. My mind races. I can't do anything, but I can slap on my headphones and listen to the meditation and then get up and go about my day. You know, to me, that's effortless. Yeah, I got to set the clock a little bit earlier, but I actually look forward to it because it puts me in a really good state of mind. And as a result, I'm super productive and super positive and my creativity yes. level's gone through the roof. 
Well, that's what meditation does for you, and and I, it doesn't matter what kind of meditation you do because I was so ingrained and in, in schooled in, in transcendental meditation where you just sit there with your mantra and um, – there's no guide. There's no music. There's no guidance. It's just you and your mantra, um, and it's it's very sometimes it's very hard to stay in that place because your thoughts are running wild. Uh, but this uh, is you know because it is a guided meditation, and you do have sounds, and you do have his voice, and you do can picture a lot of things that are happening. It just it it relaxes you without your your mind going crazy. Right, I don't have to do anything, and there's stuff, you know, like when he has the waterfall sound or the, you know, the, I don't know, the bonoil beats or whatever you call that, and the, you know, the white noise or whatever, whatever he put all together in there in his little wizard wizardry and, and electronics, it keeps my mind from racing. It keeps my mind busy. Yes. Doing yes. nothing, which sounds really Which funny. is wonderful, and that's why you're seeing so much better productivity during the day because, you know, your your whole body and your mind are relaxed, and it leaves it open for new things rather than having the same old recording, uh, uh, you know, re-recording all day with your, you know, yeah. with, the, with the crazy, and it sort of cleans it out. It's like a vacuum cleaner. It sort of sucks it out to leave room for new things. Well, it does. And it's funny you say the vacuum cleaner because I was thinking it was like Windex for my brain. Like my brain is like this huge whiteboard and I keep scribbling on it, scribbling on it, scribbling on it. And I felt like when I put my headphones on and I put the music on and then it, you know, and it's only 20 minutes. It's not like it's, you know, taking hours out of your day and you don't have to drive anywhere, do anything, just plug your head in. And I feel like it's Windexing like all those whiteboards in my brain. But what's funny is I'm more creative than ever. Well, that's wonderful. And now I have to start using it first thing in the morning too, because I'm I'm like you, and I'm up uh, five thirty, six o'clock in the morning. But what do I do? If when the thoughts start to come, I turn on the television set. Oh, what's the weather going to be like today, and what this? And lately, um, you know who Joyce Myers is? Sure. She's like, um, well, I've been listening to Joyce Meyer at six o'clock in the morning, listening to her preach. <laughs> Because <laughs> she's oh, funny, cool. and I like her, so I've been listening to her. You know, I, it's, it, that's about religious uh, religion. But I'm not religious, but some of the things she says, uh, I certainly can relate to. And and you know, she's very entertaining, and I love to be entertained. Yeah, yeah, she's very. But I may have to turn off Joyce and 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 turn on uh, Dr. Wallenberger. Or Gallenberger. <laughs> Gallenberger. Yeah, well, Gallenberger, because I just think right. that it, it sets me in the right frame of mind for productivity during the day. And, you know, and because I accomplish so much more during the day, I feel like I can truly just enjoy my kids when they get home or enjoy dinner. Or tonight I've got to go down and take a class in, in the valley. So I'm going to really actually enjoy my drive down there because my work is fairly done for the day. And Great. money is coming in in droves. So I feel like I can <laughs> breathe. Right. Well, I don't like to put a dollar amount of how much I really want to make because I was told uh, by somebody very, very smart, you, n- you never put a dollar amount on it because that sort of puts a ceiling on it and you want to leave it as open as you can because what you think uh, you want to be making now uh, could could double, triple, quadruple, and Thousandle, if that's if that's a word. So you know, you just want to say, I'm just open for it to keep coming in without putting a specific amount on it, because that you may get the specific amount and it stops. 
Okay. Well, then I will change my meditation because that's the okay. beautiful thing I want about it to keep coming. I, I want to see abundance, uh, but, you know, no dollar amount. Just let it keep coming. I'm ready to receive. Okay. I'm ready to receive, too, because I got a broken oven. I got some bills to pay, and I need a new car. So when we come back from the break, <laughs> we are going to visit with Lacey Crawford, and she wrote a really cute coming-of-age book. And actually, it's a good book. I thought it was very interesting um, about the frightful world of high school SATs and the college essay. And it's um, written by a lady who's 27, single, and in demand. This Ann Arlington, and she's the college whisperer. So I got a real kick out of it. That's why I wanted to bring it on and and share it with our listeners. Uh, when we come back from the break, we're going to welcome Lacey Crawford, the author of Early Decision. Uh, more after the break. We've got lots more Powered Up with Sandra Beck and Linda Franklin after these messages. This is Uncommon Sense for Leaders, a forum for exploring leadership from the intellect, the heart, and the spirit. Whether you're a leader now or aspire to be a leader in the future, you owe it to yourself to learn about the big ideas that have shaped the careers of compelling communicators, masters of influence, and highly effective leaders. Uncommon Sense for Leaders. Tune in to hear thought-provoking ideas on every aspect of leadership. You can expect dynamic discussions with special guests, quick tips you can apply immediately for better results, and the tools you need to take you from where you are to where you want to be as a leader. Are you ready to crack the code for achieving unprecedented results? Then join the host for Uncommon Sense for Leaders, Catherine Carlisi, every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, right here on the All Business Radio Network. Are you fascinated by the stories behind the stories, the people behind their masks, the truth about people's failures and redemptions? in both their business and personal lives. Then Off the Record Secrets of with host Judy Schreiner is for you. It's people's secrets that make them interesting, but very few folks are willing to reveal them unless they trust that their information will be treated with accuracy, fairness, and respect. People have been entrusting their secrets to longtime business journalist Judy Schreiner for the last 25 years, and now she's bringing her expertise and impressive contact list Tune in and call in as host Judy Schreiner talks to guests off the record as they reveal new secrets each Tuesday at noon Eastern, 11 a.m. Central. We're back with Sandra Beck and Linda Franklin. Here's more Powered Up with Beck and Franklin. Hey, ladies, this is Sandra Beck, and I'm here with Linda Franklin, and we are welcoming to the airwaves Lacey Crawford. Now, she's written this great book uh, called Early Decision, and uh, I like the way it's advertised. It's part Gossip Girl and part Dead Poet Society. I'm big fans of both of them, so, of course, I couldn't wait to read this. But what's more interesting about this book than anything else, and I'm going to let Lacey tell us a little bit about this, is that her book is about, you know, kind of the frightful world of high school essay the college education, or I'm sorry, the essay and the common application. But she was, as a 
college admissions counselor, an independent one for very, very powerful clients in New York City, Chicago, Denver, uh, Los Angeles, and London. So it's really neat to, for me when when books come out of somebody's own personal experience, and yet they're fun and witty and entertaining. And, and uh, I really hope they make this into a, a movie or a TV show. Uh, Lacey Crawford, your characters are a lot of fun. Uh, welcome to the show. So I have to ask you, you know, Powered Up Talk Radio is for women, you know, 40s, 50s, 60s. A lot of them are second career, chance at life. You had a very, very good career in what you were doing that actually unfolded as part of this book from what I can tell. Can you talk to us a little bit about that? I graduated from college knowing that I wanted to write. It's really the only thing that I've ever wanted to do, but I needed, like everyone else, to figure out how to make a living. Uh, and one of the things that I tried my hand at was teaching high school English because I had loved school so much myself. And I wasn't very good with entire classrooms full of kids, but I had a really great time working with particularly high school seniors on their writing. And uh, one of the pieces of writing that hit them every year was the college essay, which is a really remarkable assignment because it's this single essay that they perceive to be the key to their entire future, but it's a form that nobody's taught them in school before. I mean, they've been taught to write history papers and book reports and lab reports, but no one's ever taught them how to sit down and write 650 words about themselves as scholars, as people, as thinkers, and then we ask them to do it at precisely the moment when we say their entire future hinges on it. It's really it's a pretty <laughs> stressful, stressful thing and not something that I think many people are prepared for. And if you think about it, knowing how to write about yourself that way, think about yourself that way is crucial for putting together a career after school, whether you go to college or not, the way you talk about yourself in interviews and cover letters all through your life, you know, that's an important skill to have. So I started working with young people. I was, gosh, it was 96, 1996-97 when I first started working with young people. And this was really before the, the college admissions process became the frenzy that it has become today before there was a whole industry of people out there who were helping kids with their applications and, you know, the kind of super tutors and the whole thing. The woman in New York City charges $50,000 for a kid. One in San Francisco, it's 65000 I think, to help a young person. It's really remarkable. So over the course of the next about 15 years, while I did a bunch of other things uh, in the balance of my time, I went to graduate school, left before getting my Ph.D. That wasn't right for me, tried a bunch of other things. I was always working with young people. I'm going to say on the side because it wasn't my nine-to-five job, but it was really a sustaining vocation for me for a long, long time. And uh, by the time I had come to the end of that 15-year period, I actually had a pretty significant corporate position running a, a big company's nonprofit, their charity. Uh, and I was writing, and I had my own first child, and that gave me some new perspective on all the students and the parents I had worked with. And I thought, gosh, you know, maybe there's a story in this. And I started writing it when my first baby was brand new, and I was up in the middle of the night and freaked out at what had happened to my life <laughs> now that I had a newborn. And uh, and I wrote it really to sort of entertain myself and try to figure out what I thought about everything. And it sort of came together into a novel, and, and that became Early Decision. 
Hi, Lacey. This is Linda. This is an interesting story. And since you've been working with young people for, for a period of years, and, and this show we're, we're particularly interested in women, are you seeing a difference in young women today versus maybe 10 years ago or 15 years ago, what they want, um, how they're how they perceive themselves, how they think of the world, and I could go on and on and on, but I just want to see if you notice any difference. So for me, I, I come from a fairly socially conservative family and background and community. That was the way I was raised. And when I was growing up, I will say that while my parents always encouraged every tiny little inkling I had to do anything, sure, you can be a nuclear physicist, you know, sure, you can do whatever, um, it, it was pretty much understood that what was important for a young woman was who she chose to marry and, um, and that she was able to put that together, you know, the, the right courtship, the right pairing. That sounds so old-fashioned, but really growing up in the 1970s and 1980s in the Midwest, that was very clear to me. And a lot of the students that I first encountered uh, when I was first doing this work came from families that were thrilled to have them go to good colleges. That was really lovely, but they weren't doing it as a prelude to a lifelong career. They weren't doing it because they worried that those girls needed to earn a living for the rest of their lives. They were doing it because they thought it would put them into contact with the sort of men they wanted them to marry, if that makes sense. Right, and yes, over the last, to call it the MRS degree. Well, exactly. You go to get your MRS, precisely. And over the last 15 years, that has been inverted on its head. I, I mean, really, in my experience, these girls are, uh, they're going to run the world, and they don't, uh, they don't think about who, if they are, they're not telling me about it. It's not about who they're going to marry. They're not mooning over boyfriends. They're stressed out about... Uh, you know, what it's going to be like to be the first female programmer at some new company. I mean, it, it really is remarkable. I think they they perceive very clearly where some of the gender limitations may still be, and they are gung-ho to take them down. That that has been my sense. And, of course, there are more women than men now going to four-year colleges in this country, uh, so much so that it's starting to get easier for young men than young women to gain admission to some of these schools because of the ratios. So um, so many girls have decided, I'm going to save, you know, to take their future into their own hands. They're not waiting for a man, you know, to, to bring home the paycheck, that uh, things are really changing. Well, and I just want to, can I just buzz in right here and say, you know, I'm really proud of you because, you know, you went to Princeton University of Chicago. I went to Northwestern and there was a whole segment of the population, a very small one at Northwestern that was there to meet good husbands. Um, but the byproduct of going to school and getting this fabulous education was that when I did get divorced and my husband did leave me, I could rock it, knock it out of the park and continue my lifestyle and continue things on forward. So I really applaud the young women today for breaking through the grass ceilings and, and to really understand that your future is your own. You don't have to marry your future anymore. I just want that to go out there because I just think that's really important. Well, isn't that right? Someone reflected, I, I wish I could remember who it was because it struck me as so telling, but, you know, the, the New York Times, if anyone reads it, comes across the, uh, you know, they have the, the Sunday wedding section and they're reporting yes. where these young people are from. And it used to be so much emphasis on who a girl's parents were, you know, and where she'd gone to school. And now it's where she's gone to school. Do you see? So it used to be a kind yes. of a pedigree thing. And now it's, you know, where she's been educated. So I think there is a 
shift in in how we perceive young people that um, is across both sexes, really. And it's, you know, what are you going after? What is it that you want to become? And that's a wonderful thing. Well, I guess we have to give some credit to the parents because maybe they're making a shift, too, because um, when a young girl especially goes away to college, uh, she, you know, either she's going to be very secure or very insecure, and um, if she's secure, she, she's going to nail it. If she's insecure, she's going to fall to the pressures um, of the school, of the boys, of the, of the sororities, of all those things. No one sent me a copy of your book, but I want to read it now because, I, you know, when you read that one out of five young women entering college is going to somehow be sexually abused, yeah. uh, raped, whatever, I mean, that is shocking. Yeah, this is this is something that I've not had the opportunity to talk about so much around the book because everyone is always interested in how to get in, how do I get my kids in, how do I get my kids in. Yeah. And and that comes at the expense of what sort of person am I delivering to that campus, right? I mean, how how have I raised my young person so that when she lands, she is intrinsically motivated, she believes in herself, and she is not going to be swayed by ex fraternity football player, sorority, you name it, you know, that that sort of thing. And I do, I do think that um, increasing academic pressures on getting into college can in some ways make those other pressures even more difficult um, because you get into a wonderful school like that and you assume that you've cleared the bar and it's all clear sailing from here on in, and, and not so. I mean, I, I was at Princeton in the mid-'90s. It is, there, is a, there is a point in the book that I make. I, I had the feeling that Princeton was still very much a man's college that was gracious enough to allow women to attend there. It was very clearly, in my mind, a, a man's school, and I loved it. I was very happy there. I had extraordinary male and female friends who have gone on to build really wonderful lives. But if we think about a school like Vassar, which I think most people would consider to be a woman's college, it's been co-ed longer than Harvard has. But nobody thinks of Harvard, you know, as, as a single-sex school, right? So, so there is this kind of legacy, I think, that the great educational institutions were originally for men, which they were. And it is difficult, I think, in some ways for women to make that their own. And I would say that the fraternity systems and the big, um, the huge sports complexes, which are sort of these big industrial complexes on campus, they make it difficult when you've got, you know, boys on the field and girls in cheerleading costumes, we're perpetuating some pretty tough stereotypes. Yeah. And then we have the financial component of what it costs to go to school. And if you don't have really uh, wealthy parents and you're not in on the scholarship, just the financial pressures are, are tremendous. I mean, that's, that's, that's a big thing that's hopefully going to be dealt with because, uh, you know, the the student loan uh, situation is horrendous. They are, and 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 they are. Those loans are crippling, and and continue to be crippling. I think um, one thing that is an unsung solution in some places in this country is the system of community college, re- really wonderful community colleges, which feed into quite naturally state universities all over the country. We have the best public education you guys, in the world. Guys, I got to cut you off. I got to cut you off. We're we're going to commercial break. We're going to bring Lacey Crawford back after the break. Her book is early decision. You're going to want to hear more from this outstanding writer and this amazing woman. Uh, We're going to visit with her for a few more minutes after the break, and then we're going to bring on Patty Conklin, uh, who wrote the book God Within, and she is uh, part of our metaphysical program that we're doing, Soul Search Tuesdays. When we come back from the break, we're going to visit a few more minutes with 
early decision author Lacey Crawford. You can find her at LaceyCrawford.com. We've got lots more Powered Up with Sandra Beck and Linda Franklin after these messages. This is for all you girls about 42. Tossing pennies into the fountain of youth. Secret Cuisines and Sacred Rituals is a quest, a place, and a feast. Join host Vilasi Venkatachalam every week to explore myths, mystique, old medicine, and brilliant modern solutions through a dazzling kaleidoscope of cuisines, cultures, and cures. This is the place where tribes gather, strangers and familiars, to be memory keepers and makers of our evolving, enduring, evergreen, spoken legacy of wisdom and ingenuity. In Vilasi's words, when we do old things in new ways and new things in old ways, we paint with an inspired palette, weave our own healing traditions, and become our own guru. Vilasi is a troubadour of secret cuisines and sacred rituals. She collects stories of wisdom, ingenuity, and grit. She believes wellness and transformation happen when you stand at the threshold of delight and discovery. She displays her hidden penchant for drama when she leads the safari at the supper club. Her favorite pastime is to extol the marvels of cuisines, cultures, and cures to her audience in work places, seminars, and salons. Her mantra is, be your own guru. She is a biochemist, botanist, and alchemist who likes to churn delightful, useful things from a brew of art and science, ancient and evolving, old medicine, and new cures. Join Velocity every Friday at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, only here on the WooHoo Radio Network. Are you looking for something more in your life or business? More success? More stability? More happiness? It's all out there waiting for you, but it doesn't just happen. You've got to go get it. Make it happen with Michelle McCullough, where motivation and strategy intersect. Michelle is a serial entrepreneur, acclaimed speaker, and the WooHoo Radio Network's resident business and success strategist. Michelle has the smarts, strategies, and experience to help you improve your life and take your business to the next level. You've got big dreams. You've got big vision. Now it's time for you to make it happen. We're back with Sandra Beck and Linda Franklin. Here's more Powered Up with Beck and Franklin. This is Hey, ladies, this is Sandra Beck, and I'm here with Linda Franklin, and this is Powered Up Talk Radio. And our guest today is Lacey Crawford. She wrote a book about early decision, which is um, uh, it's, it's a really good, fun, interesting, uh, enjoyable read about the application season and five different students uh, that she follows. And Lacey Crawford herself was a discreet, independent college admissions counselor to some very powerful clients. So I want to hear from her to hear a little bit more about her viewpoint on community colleges. And then we're going to go ahead and welcome uh, to the airwaves Patty Conklin. So go ahead. Uh, I'd like to hear, Lacey, what you have to say about community colleges for our parents that are listening today. 
Thank you. Just finishing up the point that so much ink is spilled about the Ivy League and Harvard and big state schools and where someone's dad went. And the truth is these community colleges that we have all around us in our local communities are um, have great connections to the state university systems and love to take students in after their first or second years. It can be a really wonderful way to get a foot in the door to higher education that's less expensive and maybe doesn't come with all the hurdles of getting in, you know, right after your senior year. So that's a big secret that I think all parents should know about. Well, and uh, Lacey, I want to thank you for being our guest today, and I want to second that for, you know, one of my brothers is a NASA rocket scientist today, but he was not ready to go to a full college at, uh, at 17, 18 years old, and he was by the time he was 20, 21 and got some of those core requirements under his belt and has gone on to have a very, very uh, successful career. So I want to thank you for your um, advice today. I want to thank you for writing the book Early Decision. People can find you at LaceyCrawford.com, just like it sounds, L-A-C-Y-C-R-A-W-F-O-D.com. Uh, we'll have to have you back. We can't wait for your next book to come out. Thank you so much. Okay, we're going to shift gears a little bit, and we are going to uh, get a little bit more on track with our Soul Search Tuesdays. We talked a little bit about education with Lacey Crawford, and I want to bring on Patty Conklin. Now, she is a really neat lady. She is a medical intuitive, and I can't wait to talk to her, Linda, a little bit about what that means and how that translates. And she wrote this new book called God Within, The Day God's train stopped and uh it's my kind of book because it's it's easy to read it's easy to follow it's not too thick and i can read it in the bathtub and get a lot out of it and she puts even the spacing down in the book so i can use my little highlighter because some of these spiritual books linda are really thick and um they're really hard to read but uh i'm always excited when books come through that i can read and understand and take something away with it without having a thesaurus and a dictionary and google handy <laughs> yes, I agree 100%, because if, if you do have to have all of the, the Google and the thesaurus and the dictionary, you're, you're going to miss the whole uh, point of the book. It's, it's supposed to, it's supposed, you're supposed to, it's, again, it's not a, when you read these books, it's not a, it's not a brain feed, it's a heart feed. So it has That's to right. be presented that way, and and I think it's very important for, for authors that are, are in that genre to, to do exactly that. That's really important. I, you know, anybody who's out there, you know, our spiritualists that are listening, our spiritual writers or religious writers or faith writers, whatever they are, just, can I just say, get to the point, tell it to me so I can understand it. I don't care how smart you are. I care to learn what you know and what you're trying to teach. So always keep that in mind when you write these books that somebody like me, who's not the brightest bulb in the chandelier, is going to read them. And I thought Patty Conklin did a did a great job on this. Patty, are you on the line with us? I am. Thank you so much. <laughs> That's probably the one of the worst testimonials you heard. She's written it for the <laughs> not the brightest bulb in the chandelier, but you know what? It does turn on a light. It did light up my world, and I'm so excited to have you on the show with us today. And I've got to ask question number one that we've heard from our from our social media community, specifically Facebook. They want to know what a medical intuitive is, does, tastes like, looks like, because you're touted as one of the greatest. Thank you. Thank you. Well, you know, we use the label medical intuitive. Um, for me specifically, um, I literally see particles, more like quantum physics. You know, when you're watching the television and the television goes out, 
or the cable goes out and you get snow. That's kind of my mm-hmm. world. And so, so when I'm working with someone, as soon as they begin to speak, their particles readjust and kind of show me a movie or show me words and uh, make it really easy. So a medical intuitive, in, in my opinion, is someone who can look intuitively um, into the body and not necessarily create a diagnosis, because I'm not sure that that's all that necessary. I think for me, it's, it's really finding out what the emotion is behind the medical issue or the emotional issue that's taking place um, and helping them really come to terms and understand what emotionally helped assist them get to a disease or illness. That's oh, good, because you're not going to look at me and go, oh, God, she's getting cancer. That was my biggest fear <laughs> for bringing you on the show today. She's a medical intuitive. She's going to diagnose me with something, and I won't be able to sleep tonight. So, no, Linda, you no, have a no. question. <laughs> yeah, I have a question. Um, I'd like to know how, uh, what is the difference between a medical intuitive and someone who is a Reiki master or someone that does, you know, touch, uh, touch healing? Touch healing. I think, I think there's a, a very distinctive difference. Um, for me, as a medical intuitive, I work within the subtle energy field, which is in science called the immune system. And so it's literally looking at the emotions within the cellular structure itself. Reiki, therapeutic touch, um, essential oils, crystals, and so forth work on the chakra system, which is external, outside the body. So my work is, is specifically inside the cell itself. Can you can you just give us a little insight on how you do that? How I do that? <laughs> I was born, um, and I didn't realize I was weird until uh, I was in my late twenties. And we got me tested, and we found that I had a genius IQ, but my brain wave was almost two hundred and fifty percent faster than an average person. And so for me, it's literally seeing the world as an MRI. And um, wow. and looking at, you know, a disease process, energy is energy until it's not. So a disease process is going to have a different frequency than the rest of your body. And it's really kind of tuning in on that and looking at what the body's having to say about it. Can you turn that off or, or when you're out at a party, do you, do you get this information all the time that drives you crazy or do you have the ability to turn it off so that you can say, no, not now? I, I don't have the ability to turn it off. And and people get kind of freaked out because they're like, no, I don't want her looking at me. And I just <laughs> I have to kind of chuckle because it's like, you know, I've got billions of particles of information coming in every second. And it's like, it's too exhausting. <laughs> it's too exhausting to look at everyone. Um, but if I'm somewhere where there's really high frequency, like a lot of people or the first time I went to Ireland to uh, speak in Ireland, um, I had to call my son, one of my sons, and had him have him fly out because the frequency of the stones were so high. Um, I was blind. I, I just I couldn't see anything. I, I couldn't see if there were stairs or if I was walking off the cliff or, you know, walking out into the center of the street. I, I just had no clue. Um, so when frequency is really high, um, I'll have to have an assistant with me if there's lots of people to just help guide me by the hand and tell me when there's stairs or if there's a curb and, and so forth. You know, women love stories. Can you relate, like, a story? I know you must have a million stories, but one story of how this actually, uh, what you actually did for for someone and how it changed their lives? I think, um, you know, one woman uh, really stands out in my mind, and she was 38, and she had um, stage 4 breast cancer. 
and they had been treating her for a year or so and and had gone into uh, bone cancer and uterine cancer. And uh, she had a six-year-old and an eight-year-old. And um, she had called uh, actually the weekend of my 40th birthday and uh, wanted me to fly out to California and work with her. And I'm like, no, I'm going to have a birthday. (laughs) And uh, God just very quietly said, you know, you'll go work with her. And she had us at a monastery. And for bone cancer for me, when I'm working with someone, that literally goes into my bones. And I'm always on a, um, have to go into the hospital on a morphine trip. And uh, so the nuns were very kindly took me in, and, and the doctor, there's always an angel doctor there, and, and he got it, and he got me on a drip. And the next morning I went in, and we finished things up. And, and uh, the next week she went into the doctors for her weekly um, uh, x-rays of her spine and, and bones and, and uh, breast cancer. And the doctor said to her, you know, we're, we're just going to have to run the films again. And she said, why? And he said, the films are bad. And she said, what do you mean? And he said, they're empty. There's nothing there. And her body had completely shifted frequency um, just in the two days that we had spent together. I've, and, I've seen uh, it on television and where, you know, sometimes uh, maybe it is someone that has your gifts actually, like, gets into bed with somebody and just holds them really close. And then the the the, the disease or whatever they have transfers in, it, it actually, like, goes into your body and it's like, wow, it's, I mean, I, it, it's it's fascinating and, I, you know, it's just, oh, my gosh. So it really pl- plays havoc Science. with you. Science really loves it because it's, it's uh, um, you know, it's happened throughout history, but we're in a technological age now where, you know, I'll process someone for 48 hours and my doctors check my blood every six months. So, you know, if I personally get sick, they're like, okay, who have you worked on? What diseases? You know, so we can rule out all of their symptomology. Um, but they'll check my blood um, and they can actually take my vomit when I'm processing someone and tell what kind of chemo. Um, that my client's on. So for science, it has given them a a huge boost in understanding energy and how it transmutes and how our our bodies are really made up. For me, you know, I always say there's a a curse with every blessing and you you take the good with the bad and that's not one of my favorite uh, processes. But uh, it's fascinating. Wow. I just, I'm thinking like, (laughs) You know, how do you sit on a plane? How do you go to the mall? Like, you have to be sucking up energies, you know, everywhere you go. I mean, do you, like, have to wear a hazmat suit? I can't wait to hear more about how you go out throughout your life. And you put the word shit in your book, which really, really made me laugh right out loud. So we're going to have to talk about that when we get back from the break. We're visiting with Patty Conklin. Uh, She wrote a great book called God Within, The Day God's Train Stopped. You're going to enjoy it a whole lot. You're going to be able to understand it. You can check her out on her website, pattyconklin.com. P-A-T-T, that's with an I-C-O-N-K-L-I-N.com. More with Patty after the break in her hazmat suit. We've got lots more powered up with Sandra Beck and Linda Franklin after these messages.
Are you looking for something more in your life or business? More success? More stability? More happiness? It's all out there waiting for you, but it doesn't just happen. You've got to go get it. Make it happen with Michelle McCullough, where motivation and strategy intersect. Michelle is a serial entrepreneur, acclaimed speaker, and the Woohoo Radio Network's resident business and success strategist. Michelle has the smarts, strategies, and experience to help you improve your life and take your business to the next level. You've got big dreams. You've got big vision. Now it's time for you to make it happen. Secret Cuisines and Sacred Rituals is a quest, a place, and a feast. Join host Vilasi Venkatachalam every week to explore myths, mystique, old medicine, and brilliant modern solutions through a dazzling kaleidoscope of cuisines, cultures, and cures. This is the place where tribes gather, strangers and familiars, to be memory keepers and makers of our evolving, enduring, evergreen, spoken legacy of wisdom and ingenuity. In Velasi's words, when we do old things in new ways and new things in old ways, we paint with an inspired palette, weave our own healing traditions, and become our own guru. Velasi is a troubadour of secret cuisines and sacred rituals. She collects stories of wisdom, ingenuity, and grit. She believes wellness and transformation happen when you stand at the threshold of delight and discovery. She displays her hidden penchant for drama when she leads the safari at the supper club. Her favorite pastime is to extol the marvels of cuisines, cultures, and cures. To her audience in workplaces, seminars, and salons, her mantra is, be your own guru. She is a biochemist, botanist, and alchemist who likes to churn delightful, useful things from a brew of art and science, ancient and evolving, old medicine and new cures. Join Velocity every Friday at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, only here on the WooHoo Radio Network. We're back with Sandra Beck and Linda Franklin. Here's more Powered Up with Beck and Franklin. Hey, ladies, this is Sandra Beck, and I'm here with Linda Franklin, and we're just having a bang-up time with Patty Coughlin. She is a medical intuitive, a vibrational mediator, but I'm here to tell you she's a whole bucket of fun, and you should read her book because it's it's entertaining. It'll make you laugh. It'll make you cry. Um, there's a story in there uh, with a little boy named Bradley that resonated so truthful with some of the things I've experienced mm. in my life. I think you'll get a kick out of it. I think you'll enjoy the the little bits and pieces that she brings in so many so many different things now you wrote this 16 years ago is that right yes that's correct that's so correct. yet it reads like you wrote it today so a lot of this information and a lot of these experience a lot of these things are are just super timeless I, I i don't even know how to explain it you can just pick up this book and and treat it like an oracle which is what i did at first i'm like ooh, what's patty have to tell me today um but you know it i'm hearing work. that people are doing that um i i added some stories um, but the content editing, I, I've got to give kudos to my oldest son, Dan, um, because I wrote the book 16 years ago, but he edited it. And he would call me and he'd say, Mom, what the heck are you saying in this chapter? And I'm like, Dan, it, it makes perfect sense. Blah, 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 blah. And he's like, no, it doesn't. I'm calling Matt, his brother, who's been executive director for forever for the corporation. And, um, and, and he finally helped me understand that I wrote it the way that I lecture. 
and and that you know I had voice inflections and body language when I was on stage, and that it didn't equate into the written word. And so he actually wrote it into content um, and did an, an, an amazing job. Okay, so now you have two kids, Matt and Dan. Do you have any more? I have. I, I claim six. Um, two are biological, Matt and Dan. And then um, I have two adopted, Russell and Tony. And then I have two step, Mike and, and uh, Vanessa. So five okay, boys so I'm and just going to send a message out to all your kids going, oh, my God, how did you grow up with a mother that can see you, like, lying down to the cellular <laughs> level? I think of my kids going, how much stuff they try to put away from me. My my older son's 11. He's got a girl that he likes, and his first dance is, is Thursday night and or Friday oh, night, and he's so excited. And I'm thinking, God, you must, like, have just walked around going, he has a fever. He has, you know, he needs more vitamin B. I mean, how did you do that with your own kids? We actually had a major reality series uh, come to the boys about five years ago and wanted to uh, film a, a reality show with them, what it was like to grow up with me. Because I did sit the biological boys down when they were three and four, and I said, look, this is the bottom line. I can tell when you're lying to me, and so you need to start confessing. It doesn't mean you won't get punished. You're just not going to get punished as severely. So they spent their whole life just walking around, drew me the cross, going, I'm confessing right now. And, <laughs> but, but what it did was it made this incredible connection with us because they knew I would never judge them. They, they knew that I could see everything, and so therefore it was worthy of talking about. So it didn't matter if it was their dating life or their marriage life or now grandbaby life or whatever. Um, and if they felt like I just couldn't do things because – you know, I'm limited in some ways. I, I see things in grayscale, so I'll know something is blue or something is green, but I won't know the shades of it. And, you know, I get ready to, to get ready to go out on a date when they were all teenagers, and, and, and they just groan when I come out of my bedroom. And they're like, seriously? I'm like, I look awesome. I look at myself, <laughs> and they're like, oh, God, who's dressing her now? And just, you know, Matt, you go dress her. I dressed her last night. So <laughs> I really had to step up to the plate and uh and help out they're they're awesome that is yeah. hilarious because my little guy picks out my shoes and my handbag and my older one tells me how my hair and makeup is and now when you went out on a date let me just ask you you're dating with this like crazy crazy intuitive medical you know voodoo witch doctor you know have a drink and <laughs> let it all fly out what did you do on a date when you got this information in well, you know, I, I work really hard at not judging, and everybody's got their stuff. Um, I was always more concerned about when I get really serious with someone, whether or not they could really take the totality of my life. And um, and there's only been two men in my life that I've fallen in love with, and, and both of them were very honest in, in saying that they could not. Um, it was just too much, the, the processing, how much I'm working. If father tells me tomorrow morning to go to India to go work with someone, then I'm on a flight. It's, it's, not, a, it's not a discussion. Um, and so, so just kind of looking at people and just loving them for who they are and realizing we all have baggage. Um, but it certainly has, has made it challenging at 57 to, uh, um, to, to find people that, that uh, want to date and, and are able to handle that space for me. Well, you know, men are so insecure anyway. I can't even imagine finding someone yeah. that could, you know, that, that, that so, that they're so transparent that you can see 
<laughs> every little thing that they're thinking and doing. That must have been wild. Are any yeah. of your gifts, have, have your children exhibited any um, piece of your gifts? Yeah, Daniel and Matthew are, are divided between me. Daniel has more of my sight, not, not the particle sight. Um, but more of a seer. He would. He was pre-verbal. He was speaking full sentences at a year, and he had a two. And had a ten-year-old comprehension level by the time he was two. Matthew has my energy capabilities, and and Matt can touch anyone, and um, and and they'll come out of pain. Um, and both boys are highly supportive of my work, but neither one of them uh, feel drawn to continue my work when I when I cross. Um, you know, hopefully at sixty-two. So. So they're a tremendous support system, and they have theirs. And I look at their babies to see what gifts they're bringing on board uh, from me, and it's been awesome seeing that in in the little one's eyes. Um, but they they really don't they really don't have an interest in in taking over the business. Um, and maybe that'll change once I'm gone. But well, now why did you say sixty two? Well, when I was seven and I had what I considered to be a visitation, I was told that. 38 to 42 would be my greatest growth years, and 42 to 62 would be my greatest contribution, and that I could come home then if I so chose. And the purpose of my walk was to teach people to become insubstantial without transitioning. And, um, and so I feel like I have choice at 62 as to whether or not to cross over. Um, and, uh, and the purpose of life, I think, is to teach people how to be out of judgment without having to die to do it. And, uh, it may be I was just meant to be washing windows and God's just sitting up there shaking his head going, what, what is she doing down there? I just wanted her to wash a few windows. Didn't need to wash all these bodies. Um, so, so at this point, I'm still looking forward to, to transitioning at 62, but, um, you, you never are. know when the time comes, we'll see. See, but you know what? But you, but you said me. it's a choice, and I really believe that it's a choice. And if you're ready, or if your soul is ready, then you're going to go. But if yep. it isn't, then you're not. Right. So you know, yeah, consciously, I don't know if you if you even ha- have your hand on that control. I I don't know that we do consciously. I think it's I think it's a soul choice. I I think that I kind of sit back and go, okay, you know, it's it's been um, I've always been in service. You know, I started nonprofit work when when I was uh, 16, and um, it's you know 100,000 miles a year for 30 years. Um, Yeah, I'm a little tired, and I I laugh (laughs) and say I want to be a rock on Mars for a million years after this lifetime. So my kids have actually named this house this houseboat Rock on Mars. So uh, they've heard it their entire life. Um, but, you know, if I, if I could, um, and I can certainly slow down, and I have been slowing down, spend more time with the grandbabies. Um, but if I find a really healthy relationship, I, I think I want to stay and experience that a little bit. See, and I think it's very interesting you say that because my mother always had a crossover point, and she did cross over. Um, she did die from breast cancer, and she always told me, like, from when I was little, like, I'm not going to live past, like, 70, 75. She's like, I'm just not going to live past that. And it wasn't some weird, creepy death wish, and her mother died right. at, like, 65, and she was she's just very clear with that. And so, you know, it's still traumatic and awful and brutal, you know, when my mother did pass away, but it wasn't right. unexpected, and she told me that she would just 
just be in the next room. And she's like, now I don't want you to get too upset. And she's like, I'm just going to be in the next room. And she goes, you'll come in the room with me after when it's your time to cross over. And, but she was very clear. And that's why I jumped wow. all over that. Like, why did you say 62? You know, cause my yeah. mother always said, you know, it was going to be 70, maybe 75 will be the most. And it was just really strange that that came through whether, or came true, you know, and it's not like she wanted to check out. She had grandchildren, no. she had all these things, but she knew that her time here was what she was supposed to do. And then it was going to be done. So I was very curious to find out like, so I didn't mean to jump all over you with the 62. That's, that's okay. And I think, I think that, that, uh, you know, it's an awesome, I'm an adventure seeker, you know, I love new things. And what I love about having done this work for the last 19 years professionally is that every day I never know what I'm going to get. You know, I never know what, what client is going to bring what to me. And I treat it like it's brand new. So I love adventure. So for me, the idea of crossing over is this awesome new adventure. And, and golly, I can't imagine what it's going to be like. It's going to be fun. Well, Patty, I just want to thank you for writing this book. I want to give some information to our listeners on how best they can reach you. Uh, Patty Conklin has a great website, you guys. It's just her name.com, P-A-T-T-I-C-O-N-K-L-I-N.com. She's got lots of cool things. She's got stuff you can shop for. She's got healing sessions you can sign up for. There's live events. There's all sorts of great, cool things on here. Her book is called God Within, The Day God's Train Stopped. You can buy this on Amazon. Amazon. You can pick it up a lot of different places. It's a really, really great book. I'm going to tell you again, it's easy to read. It's easy to follow. This isn't one of those books that you, you know, press flowers with because you can't get through it. It's a really, really good book. Patty, I want to leave our listeners with some of your words of wisdom. What can you, what's the most important thing people can take away from your book and from you today? Most important thing people can take away is, is pay attention to your words and the emotions that you're putting into it. You know, if you wake up in the morning and your partner asks you how you feel and you say, oh, my back hurts, your body's going to say, oh, I can do that for you. But if you just say, <laughs> you know what, thank you for asking, you know, in 10 minutes I'm going to feel wonderful. You're validating yourself without giving the energy to your body because just remember, your body is recording every single word and emotion you say, and it doesn't know when you don't want something. So please move out of judgment and really watch how you're phrasing and, and thinking of external. You don't know what someone else's path is, and so therefore you can't judge it. Thank you, Patty Conklin. Check her out, P-A-T-T-I-C-O-N-K-L-I-N, pattyconklin.com. You're not going to want to miss her book, God Within, The Day God's Train Stopped. We're so glad you joined us for Powered Up with Beck and Franklin. Sandra Beck, Los Angeles-based single mother and technology company owner, knows what it's like to be fit, funny, and fantastic in your 40s. Linda Franklin, a New Yorker with a successful marriage and pro-